This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we're talking about uh, the NCAA's decision to end the moratorium on voluntary athletic activities starting on June 1st. So essentially, the NCAA is no longer stopping student-athletes from going into team facilities and working out, doing whatever they do there um, normally this time of year. Um there are a bunch of other hurdles in the way, but at the very least, it is a very good sign, and uh, we'll talk more about that in just a second after I tell you about Manscaped. So, Manscaped is an incredible company that is helping men stay groomed and hygienic below the waistline. They have the Lawnmower 3.0, which is incredible. It's a water-resistant, cordless body trimmer. Um, it's just perfect. You know, it has LED lights that make it really easy to see everything that you're doing down there. Uh, it's Nick free. It really is just a top of the line trimmer. There's really nothing else like there or like it out there. And you can get it in the perfect package 3.0 because it'll come with your lawnmower 3.0, but also come with a pair of performance boxer briefs, a travel bag, um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, the, the crop prever- preserver, the crop, pre- re- oh, wow, wow, that was a tough one. The crop preserver and the crop reviver are both incredible products as well. Um, you know, the ball deodorant, ball toner, it's important stuff. It's important stuff, guys. And especially during quarantine, it can really change, uh, honestly, like how often you have to go take a shower or like think about how bad you smell. 
So check out Manscaped, and when you do go to manscaped.com, use the code DNVR20, and you'll get 20% off, and you'll get free shipping. It's a great deal. All right. So, like I said, everybody should be optimistic about what the NCAA did, but there still is a ways to go. Um, How I see this is there are really a bunch of different barriers. There are a bunch of people or entities that are stopping college sports from happening. Um, You know, NCAA is one of them. Um, The state government can, the local government can, the schools can. There are just so many layers, so many different roadblocks you have to get past before you can actually get back to normal. Uh, Throw the conferences in there as well, I guess. But uh, the NCAA, at least uh, a couple days ago, uh, let's see, that was Wednesday, the Division I Council, which Rick George is a part of, actually, voted to end the moratorium. So, so pretty early on during the COVID-19 outbreak and when things really started to heat up in the United States, the NCAA said, nobody's allowed to use the team facilities. You're not allowed to go in there and talk and work and all that stuff. We're just pretty much shutting down everything um, to, for, for one reason is to level the playing field. Obviously, now the NCAA decided that for football uh, and men's and women's basketball, it was time to end that moratorium. They'll be talking about the other sports here pretty soon. And it'll actually be kind of interesting to hear how they talk through that stuff. Um, because my initial thought was, well, of course they're going to allow those. If they're allowing the other stuff, why would they not allow the rest of the sports? And I was actually able to come up with some reasons. The biggest being if you're allowing all these people to be using weight rooms, training facilities, um, then you're allowing all sports compared to just three. That's a very significant difference. And I... What the NCAA said is that they're basically just backing off. Um, oh, I should say, recruiting visits are still not in the cards. Those those still haven't been. I don't. I, I'm sure they've been discussed, but that isn't something that was like on the voting board. Any of that. Um, I think it's going to be a ways down the line before we have any recruiting visits allowed. But for the most part, the NCAA just said, follow your state laws, follow your local laws. If trying to dictate this stuff from a national level is tough now because I mean, it's just so different in so many different places. Obviously California is the hardest hit probably. I mean, New York, I guess too, but California notably because it's in the PAC 12, four PAC 12 schools are in California. So that's big. The NCAA trying to set rules that fit the SEC and Alabama at the same time as they fit Michigan at the same time trying to make it work with what USC is dealing with. I think they may have realized, you know what, that's not going to work. We tried to level the playing field. We realized that maybe a school like USC isn't going to be able to do nearly as much. And they did that. They said for these two months, these little over two months, we're going to say nobody can do anything. That'll be level. But at some point, you have to say, well, the teams that can play, we have to let them get ready to play. And this is the first step in that process. Um, so the NCAA kind of got out of the way and let the the state government, local government dictate it, uh, as well as the conferences. And so that's kind of the more 
interesting aspect now uh, because, you know, the SEC today, um, so two days after news broke of this NCAA stuff, the SEC said that they were ending their moratorium on voluntary athletic activities beginning June 8th. So a, a week later than they are allowed to. And I think that for the most part, conferences will follow suit, um, especially when you're talking about power five conferences. When you start to get into the group of five conferences, then it gets a little bit shaky although I would expect to see most of them open things up. And then once you get into the lower level schools, that's when things will be tricky. You know, the Big Sky Conference is, is that one that's willing to open things up because they have some schools in, or in, the, in Washington, in California. So we'll see how those shake out. I haven't studied a whole bunch of that stuff, but I do know what's going on in the Pac-12. And... You can kind of imagine the conversations that they're stuck having right now. Um, the Cal State system uh, basically said they weren't going to have ca campuses open. Um, and that was a week ago, two weeks ago. And then the UC system, which, uh, let's see, so UC Berkeley, uh, which is Cal, is is obviously in the Pac-12. And uh, UCLA university of california los angeles is also in the pac-12 and and those campuses will be open which means that there should be sports so so it kind of looks like the california schools the pac-12 may have dodged a bit of a bullet in terms of in terms of which system went which way but you know you still got stanford out there private school usc same thing what are those campuses thinking and you know stanford was leaning against reopening um, you kind of just have to wait and see there. And is that what the PAC 12 is going to decide to do? Uh, that, that they're going to extend the moratorium two weeks and then talk about again, once they try to figure out is Stanford going to be able to play is UCL or USC going to be able to play? Because the NCAA said the president, Mark Emmert, uh, he, he said that the NCAA doesn't think that, college sports can be played if the campuses aren't open. And there was some pushback in those webinars last week, especially from Colorado coaches. And maybe it was Mario Cristobal who was pushing back pretty hard too. But but he kind of said, you know, that's out there and it's a good point, but I don't think that that's set in stone. And that was kind of the message there, that that's probably true, that if USC's campus isn't open, they probably can't play football this fall. But there is more wiggle room there than uh, Mark Emmert made it sound like there was. And so that's worth keeping an eye on as well. So for the Pac-12, the the goals here, I think, are tough to order. You know, where do you place having an evenly balanced Pac-12 season so that if, you know, eight schools seven schools could open their weight rooms and let players get back in there and all the other things that this would entail, then is that good enough? Do you want to give those schools the opportunity while you say, hey, we aren't even sure that these other three, four, five, however many schools you want to say are going to even be able to play football? And if that's the case and you're forcing these other programs to kind of sit back and waste another two weeks, then 
you're putting them at a disadvantage when it comes time to play your non-conference games or your bowl games at the end of the year, the postseason. And that's very important, especially for the Pac-12 right now as they're within, I guess they're within four years of their deal expiring, but they will likely start negotiating a new TV deal in the next two years or so, and they'll probably be done, have something solidified, um, not this season, not the next season, but I would guess probably sometime in that third season, sometime in that 2022 season. Um, And, you know, it sounds like a long time. It sounds like two and a half years is a really long time. But that means three non-conference games per team, you know, a bowl game for two-thirds of your teams per year, and then maybe you get one into the college football playoff or two into the college football playoff over those three years. Probably, I mean, if you could get one in these next two seasons, that would be huge. And I think that for the Pac-12, that really has to be a priority because who knows? Getting one team in the college football playoff in the next two years, that could be worth $10 million per school per year over the course of this new TV deal, which could last 20 years, 10 years. And it kind of depends on a bunch of different things, but the, the Pac-12 is just in, in such an unprecedented place because all of their TV rights will be available to them to do whatever they want with them at that time, in that 2024 when the big deal expires for their primary games, the, the top-level games. Um, they could, you know, the SEC just signed a deal to to go th- uh, through the 30-34 season. Um, I think the Big Ten has some stuff that's booked through the 30-34-35 season. Um, when when you have all of your rights the way Pac-12 does, maybe they do just make one big deal and say, you can have all of this, you can have it for 20 years, but we need big money. Um, I don't want to go too deep down this Pac-12 TV deal road, but that is kind of what's going on right now. Um, that's that, that is what the conference should be looking at. You know, the teams are looking at their own individual success. They're trying to build, I mean, they're, they're hoping that the TV deal means that they're working with a much larger budget, but they've got to focus on that from the conference level. That's what really matters. And I think that when those decision makers, um, primarily university presidents and athletic directors, as well as some other PAC 12 officials, when they get into a room and talk about this topic, I think that that TV deal should be one of the very key points because every one of those non-conference games is just massive. People forget how quickly you can flip a narrative in college football. You can, you know, if the Buffs went out and won 10 games in back-to-back seasons, First of all, I'd be kind of surprised, but also if they were able to pull it off, then they're looked at totally differently by the entire country. You know, the S or the Pac-12 puts uh, uh, or wins a college football playoff game at some point in the next two years. That changes how the Pac-12 is looked at. The Pac-12 has a winning record against power five teams in non-conference games. That's valuable. And right now, the Pac-12, it, it, it's tough to place among the power five conferences in terms of which conference is best at football or how they rank when you look at it you look at them and say it's better than the ACC except that the ACC has Clemson 
and Clemson's just in the national championship every year. Outside of that, the Pac-12 is much better at football. So I think you have to give the edge to the ACC. But, I mean, who knows? USC goes on a run. Keaton Slovis is for real. They they do what they have the talent to do, finally, uh, for the first time this decade. Then, yeah, they could go to back-to-back college football playoffs. You know, we've seen what Oregon is. Cal with Justin Wilcox, I'm excited about. You know, the Arizona State, too, would be a dark horse and I think they're probably another year away, but with Jaden Daniels at quarterback, I, I think that the sky is the limit. Um, he may not be a Trevor Lawrence-type quarterback or a Justin Fields, but I do think that there's a good chance either this year or next year he he becomes a piece of that next tier in college football. And Keaton Slovis, I think, is already in that next tier, or at least is seen that way. I'm not sure that gap between him and Daniels is that wide. Not that this is what we need to be spending our time talking about, but but I do think that you have some teams that could get hot and surprise people, and you got to give them every opportunity to do that because if this, this, for the sake of the whole conference, it matters. You know, if you're a Buffs fan, imagine if this is flipped. Imagine if Colorado is where things are being hit the hardest. Uh, imagine if Carl Durrell has to go to the Pac-12 um, all the decision makers and either say, we want you guys to be able to practice for this next month or two months that we won't be able to practice, um, or not even practice, but work out. And that's a very significant difference. Um, or you can say, we want you guys to have to sit out like we do. And if I'm Carl Durrell, I'm thinking, you know what? You guys should do as well as you can and get as good as you can, because that could mean more money for me down the road. It might make winning games this year tougher, but in the long run, it'll help. Um, And I think that we're close enough to that TV deal that 2024 finally doesn't sound too far away, especially when you remember that it's typically a couple-year process and they typically get a deal done, you know, at least a few months and probably close to a year, half a year before the deal expires, the current deal expires. You know, that that's how I'm seeing all of this, at least. And I think that the Pac-12 needs to do what it can to make itself as competitive as possible. There's more pressure on the Pac-12 right now than there is on, I'd say, any other conference in college football. Uh, they have some blue bloods. You know, you have USC. There's no reason Stanford can't be consistently a top 25 program. Oregon has become what Oregon has become. And I've already said Cal and Arizona State, but there's 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 some legitimate upside, and you gotta you gotta let them develop it. Um, I think that that's most of what I want to say. Uh, another interesting point um, that I haven't seen too much talk about is the testing. Uh, so there will be restrictions. Essentially, you have to follow your local guidelines. If they say no no gatherings of more than this many people, you can't gather in groups of more than that many people. Uh, If they say you have to wear a mask, then you have to wear a mask. I am kind of wondering where this is going to go because this whole thing is just so complicated and there's so many different strings attached to so many different places. But you could see a world where one government could say gatherings of this size are allowed as long as 
you've been tested in the last five days. Everybody in the group has to have been tested in the last five days. And if that's the case, then we trust it. Or they could say, when you get there, you have to be tested or who who knows? And it all is just even more confusing. You know, the World Health Organization came out, I think last week, maybe I was two weeks ago and said, you guys are putting rules in place that don't always make sense. Just a reminder, we don't know that having had coronavirus or this COVID-19 means that you won't have it again. So all the immunity tests or testing for the antibodies and saying you've already had it, you're good. That doesn't necessarily work because it hasn't been totally confirmed by the science community that that's how this disease works. Um, so there's that in there too that kind of throws a wrinkle into any of this. But if a government said you have to be tested, then what do you do there? You know, right now, a test is about $100. Mass testing, obviously, is very expensive, especially if you're testing once a week. Everybody in the program or everybody who's in Boulder still using the facilities, it's, it's tough. And that's probably why the NCAA just said, we aren't regulating testing. We're letting you guys regulate testing. The university has to be okay with it. The conference has to be okay with it. The city of Boulder, the county, the state of Colorado, they all have to be okay with it. We're just pulling ourselves out. And I think slowly that's what's going to happen. And you're going to see, you know, Boulder, if things really cool down there, they'll say, you know what? We're going to pull our rules, follow your state guidelines. And then the state might say, hey, we're pretty good here. We think we've passed it. We're pulling our guidelines. You still have to listen to whatever. And for different groups of people, that means listening to different um, things. And for football players, that means you're listening to the conference. Um, and so this conference domino that should be falling in the next nine days or so uh, will be pretty big in that process, especially when we've seen from Colorado. Uh, the governor, Jared Polis, has said that he is OK with pro sports coming back to Colorado, you know, baseball games being played at Coors Field as soon as the pro sports leagues are all right with it. Um, and again, there's that, that. That's how this whole thing is going is just one entity that realizes it's blocking things says, okay, we're good. We'll pull out. And it's just seeing which one of these will be the last one standing. And it doesn't look like it'll be Colorado. If they're allowing pro sports, I'd expect them to allow college sports. Um, when the time comes, assuming that there isn't some crazy rush or something, but it's good news and it's progress. And, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for football again. And I really think that the Buffs are going to uh, be playing football uh, this fall. I think the Pac-12 will be. I, You know what? I don't think that any of the Pac-12 schools will sit out. If I had to guess right now, I would say that conference games are going to be made optional. I think that let's just say eight teams will play they're playing non-conference schedules. Now, they may be modified non-conference schedules. For example, Colorado plays Fresno State. Not sure Fresno State's going to be able to play, but I am confident that Colorado's going to be able to play Colorado State and confident they're going to be able to play Texas A&M. So we're going to say there are eight teams like that who may have one non-conference game pulled or two non-conference games pulled, but for they'll be good. Um, and I think that the other four, maybe it's more like two or three uh, schools, they won't play their non-conference schedule, but they'll play their conference schedule. Um, that's, that's my latest prediction, my latest guess. And, uh, overall things seem to be trending in the right direction. And that's what really matters here. Um, 
Oh, I do want to throw up the ethical thing about all the testing too. Can we really justify testing the Colorado Buffaloes three times a week when there are sick people who are being forced to pay more prices or sometimes don't even have access to the tests because of all this, you know, don't forget about that part. I think we've all heard that a lot and it's an important point. We do have a comment today and before we get to that, I wanna tell you about our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. If you guys haven't checked out the farmhouse yet, get on it. It's a great uh, place to get some food. Uh, if you use the code DMVR, you get $5 off if you order online. They'll deliver to a bunch of places. Curbside pickup still available and they have specials every day. Sometimes you get like a free six pack of beer. It's worth checking out. So stay tuned to that and also stay tuned to the beer locator so you can figure out where you can buy whatever beer it is you want to try. I just got, uh, I just saw a tweet from one of the Broncos listeners that the strawberry sky is in Des Moines, Iowa for the first time. And, uh, He's excited. If you're not in Colorado and you're kind of, uh, you, you want to try the beers, but it's not super easy, again, beer locator. It'll tell you every type of beer you can buy and where and the quantities, and it's super convenient, and I really recommend the 15-can sampler. Also want to tell you about uh, the World Golf Tour. Hopefully you guys are playing along with us. It's really fun. Every Sunday, there's a new tournament that's, only for people who are part of the DNVR Country Club. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't have to be a member. You can join. Go to dnvrgolf.com. You can download the app. It's so much fun. It's the most popular golf game in the world. In my opinion, the best golf game in the world. You can play it on your phone. It's just so... It's intuitive, but it feels real. And there is a little bit of a learning curve, but it's not nearly as big as the learning curve in golf. So there you go. Um... Do So do that. Go to dmvrgolf.com, download the app. Everything will be set up right there. And then you should join our country club, the DMVR Country Club, and you'll be able to compete with us or like in the tournaments every Sunday. Really cool, really fun. I hope you join us. Okay, uh, a comment now, and this comes in from, I'm, I'm pausing a second so you guys can guess, it's Silverbuff. Uh, Silverbuff says, I just want to see Vontae line up in the Wildcat against CSU. Hearing the phrase, Chenault lines up in the Wildcat, gives that fan base PTSD. Memes aside, I'm excited to see him get some snaps after not playing last year. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be really exciting to see. Uh, we saw him on the field. I'm trying to remember what game that was. I don't think I can do it off the top of my head. It was definitely a home game. Ah, it was one of the games where Visco was banged up. And then something went wrong, and Chenault was on the field. He was lined up at, re at receiver. Uh, I think the only time he lined up at receiver all year was this play, and he was lined up in the wrong position. Coaches called a timeout, and we didn't see him again. Uh, but we do know he's talented. We know what that bloodline has already produced. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think the phrase, Chenault lines up in the Wildcat, should be giving uh, CSU PTSD. And I think Vontae Chenault in general is going to be pretty frustrating for them. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it for today's show. If you guys have any thoughts, any questions, you can leave them in the comment section on the post for today's show at ddmvr.com. And I will get to all of those on the next show, which will be sometime over this three-day weekend. And uh, I hope you guys are out there like finding something fun to do. Well, most of the fun things are not allowed. Um, 
And yeah, should be a good weekend. And I will talk to you later. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my my Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speed and pad competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. Whoa. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just